Welcome to Slow Stories. I'm Rachel Schwartzman, the founder of Connected Editorial and the host and creator of this podcast. For those of you just joining in, Slow Stories is a series that deep dives into the rising slow content movement. In each of these episodes, I interview brand builders, entrepreneurs, and creative professionals who share what slow content means in the context of what they're building and why slowing down and creating thoughtful stories is more important than ever. Today's episode begins with an opening story from Samaris Payong, who shares why a particular letter published in the New York Times resonated with her. Here's more from Samaris. My name is Samaris Payong. I am a freelance beauty writer from Puerto Rico, currently living in Brooklyn, New York. One of the things that has made me slow down slash unplug as of late has been this letter that was written for Gabriel Garcia Marquez. It was written by his son, Rodrigo Garcia. It's currently on the New York Times website. It's a very beautiful letter that I encourage everyone to read. And one of the paragraphs that resonated with me is the following. I'm still in a fog. It seems for now that I'll have to wait for the master's present and future to metabolize the shared experience. I look forward to that day. A song, a poem, a movie, or a novel will finally point me in the general direction of where my thoughts and feelings about this whole thing are buried. When I get there, I'm sure I'll still have to do some of the digging myself. In the meantime, the planet keeps turning, and life is still mysterious, powerful, and astonishing. Or as you used to say, with fewer adjectives and more poetry, nobody teaches life anything. This taught me that we won't have the answers and solutions to everything all at once. We can't rush certain processes. And I've allowed myself to have that space where I don't need to be productive. I don't need to be constantly doing something. You know, we're always taught to be on the go, but I believe it's vital, especially now more than ever, for all of us to slow down and really dig into those exact thoughts and feelings because they can probably teach us something and guide us into the right direction. I learned that we must be gentle and kind with ourselves first, and then the rest will just simply fall into place. Thank you so much again to Samaris for sharing. Again, the letter she read from is A Letter to My Father, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, by Rodrigo Garcia. Now here's my conversation with Diana Cohen of Crown Affair. Storytelling has always been inherent to Diana Cohen, and now more than ever before, she's breathing new life into the narrative around what it means to build a brand with intention. From her varied in-house experiences at global startups, to servicing emerging players across fashion and lifestyle through her first company, Levitate, Diana eventually found herself seeking refuge in slowing down and embracing self-care rituals, more specifically, hair care rituals. Ever the connector, Diana's off-duty routines ultimately caught the attention of friends and family, and the culmination of her interests in brand discovery, wellness, and storytelling paved the way for Diana to start Crown Affair, a next-generation hair care company rooted in ritual and committed to community. The latter has become especially important to Diana and her team over the last few months as the world has reckoned with the effects of COVID-19, dismantling systemic racism, and enduring political tumult on all fronts. But for Diana, this period of crisis has only strengthened her resolve to write a new and more inclusive chapter for the beauty industry. 
And in a period of total transformation, I can't think of a better person to tell the story with more determination and grace than Diana herself. In this interview, Diana shared more about the people who have shaped her conscious approach to storytelling, where she plans to take Crown Affairs narrative next, and what she's learned about changing her pace to push important conversations forward. There's a lot to unpack, so without giving too much more away, here's my conversation with Diana Cohen of Crown Affair. Diana Cohen. On the professional side, I am the founder and CEO of Crown Affair. Um, but on the personal side, I mean, I've lived in New York for about 10 years now, and I grew up in a small town in South Florida and uh, moved to the city for university. I went to NYU and was an art history major. So, so much of what I enjoy in my life is is around or celebrates art um, and creators. So I um, I miss it right now while we're all staying at home. But, you know, going to museums, connecting with different creators and artists is really what fills me up on a day-to-day basis. Um, and finding new ways to kind of tap into that while at home has been honestly really cool. I think that this has been a time for people to be more creative than ever. Um, And in terms of what I value in life, you know, (laughs) such a big question, but I, relationships and connection, I think that, you know, every role and job and opportunity that I, that I've had has always been rooted in who I'm doing it with and how we're building things together. And it's funny right now, as we all kind of move through the world with masks on, I was thinking this morning that one of the things I miss the most is seeing someone smile or smiling at someone. Um, and I'm doing my best Tyra Banks smiles, but I don't know if it's coming across. Um, but I, I do really value kind of those little in-between moments in life um, of just being able to to relate with, with someone. Then from a core value perspective, I think curiosity is really important and questioning things is really important. Um, and I sound love above everything else, I think is the most important thing. And again, this goes back to the relationships, but even outside of the professional space, just really creating space and making time to spend time with people you love is what is definitely getting me through every single day. Likewise. And I think to your point about community and relationships, a really incredible vehicle to kind of build on those things is to create space for people to be able to share their stories and their experiences. And I'm wondering if someone in your community told you a story or you came across a story from someone that you know or work with that really made you slow down or had an impact on your identity or life. Yeah, so there's a few people who have had a pretty huge impact on my now recognition of how badly I need to slow down. I think, you know, working in and startups for the last seven and a half years definitely makes you kind of go, go, go. And um, I would say there were probably two points. One, I was, uh, I had a role at a company. I was in Paris. We had a very big activation. I was, um, you know, working for eight days straight, kind of like 8 a.m. mornings to 2 (laughs) a.m., 2 a.m. nights or mornings or whatever you want to call it. And that was, I just, I kind of hit a moment where I was like, what? is actually important in my life. Like what are my pillars? And, um, a little bit before that, that activation, I actually sought out 
getting some coaching support and help. I, you know, I'm a very big advocate for both therapy and coaching, which are two very different things, but, um, her name is Christine Sachs. And she was just sharing the stories of her experiences coming from the finance world and the, her like aha moment of like, what is it that I actually, what, what are the things that are my pillars as a human being? And, um, she asked me this question and the two that were really important to me were choosing how I spend my time. Um, and like actually having the choice to be like, I'm going to be at this place at this time and I don't have to be at a desk or I don't have to like, you know, constantly be reactive to a a Slack message or a person. Like I really get to choose my own space and how I want to move through the world. And then, um, you know, the, the second pillar was again, like choosing who I wanted to collaborate with and work with. And I think one of the upsides of being an early employee at a bunch of startups is that you get to touch so many things and see so many things, but you know, a year goes by and it might've been five of you in a room and then there's 150 of you in a room and, you know, it's just moving so quickly. And I kind of missed just keeping it more intimate and like building something really powerful with like a very thoughtful kind of lean and mighty group of people. So you know, Christine telling me her story of, of her kind of like 10 years in finance and the the things that made her pause, it had a really huge impact on me. Um, the other person who is the ultimate storyteller who you've actually had on the podcast before is, um, one of my mentors and dear friends, Era Katz, who's the co-founder of Seed. Um, and she has always, I mean, she's so wise, um, but through our entire kind of journey together, um, you know, growing like a tree and and being a seed or being a seedling has always been a metaphor that we've used for, for years now. And, um, you know, her company is obviously called seed and we actually have a program at crown of air called seedling, which is a mentor and mentor and mentee program. But, um, the narrative of being like a tree has always, and the stories around trees. And, um, I'm actually in the middle of, of, I, I read it many years ago and I'm rereading it now. And I, it's so funny when you reread a book and revisit it something you're like, I, with a totally new perspective, it's been a good reminder, um, to kind of revisit things that I loved, but the hidden life of trees and just everything in my life. I think as I build crown affair, as I build relationships, I think there's so much power in the, the lives and, and narratives of, of trees. So. Oh, amazing. I don't know if you listened to our recent episode with Emily Schilt of pop-up grocer, but the opening story um, our contributor who read that opening story, Olivia Gossett Cooper, actually read an excerpt from The Hidden Life of Trees. I did. I was listening earlier this week um, when it when it went live. It's a great episode, and I was very happy that she was reading it. It, it brought me back. I'm definitely adding it to my reading list. And I mean, I think generally the wonderful thing about being in the space that we're in is that so many people are really getting behind the fact that storytelling is so much more than a buzzword or a practice, but that there really needs to be an element of humanity in everything that we're doing. And I think just before we talk more about Crown Affair, you've you've touched on it a little bit when it comes to some of your previous lives. But for those who don't know your full story, it would be great to have you speak to some of your experiences working at the startups that you mentioned and also with Levitate and some of your other endeavors. For sure. Yeah. So um, 
I, as I mentioned, I came to New York to go to NYU and was very fortunate to intern at a range of different, you know, fashion startups with, or even larger companies like Valentino and Tacoon. And my last internship, which turned into a full-time role, um, was at Into the Gloss. I had sent a cold email to Emily when, you know, her and Nick and the, it was a really small team had maybe 20 stories up on the site. I can't remember, but it was, it was 2012. So if, if that dates it a little bit and you can look back on the content from the site then and I just really connected with how they were telling stories and really, you know, it was the first time I saw people like interviewing people directly that wasn't through a major publication. Um, you know, instead of talking about how to get Reese Witherspoon's red carpet look, it was actually like talking to these people and being like, I used this random rose water from this place and this small valley in Arizona or whatever. It was just really cool. And I was like, this is how you connect with people. And then an entirely other universe was the comment section and just seeing this, like, you know, this was like when Instagram was still very much a baby, but just kind of like, you know, I was moderating the comment section there and uploading things to our social channels. And it was just, it really opened my eyes that, um, there's power here in like someone can tell a story and then people can like immediately connect with it and share recommendations and ideas. And, um, you know, from that moment on, I kind of caught the beauty bug, but I also was just really fascinated by consumer behavior and how we discover things. And while I was at Into the Gloss, um, I had an old, uh, a former boss from an internship. It was at a jewelry company called Giles and Brother, which was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, Courtney and Philip Cranchy, who are amazing, their parents, they were brother-sister duo and their parents were actually my art teachers in high school. So um, I was definitely a weirdo art kid who was hanging out in the art, the art section of my high school with their parents. And um, yeah, I just, they're like family and I've always been close with them. So they invited me to an event that was a launch for um, Giles and Brother Times Jewel Mint, um, which was part of like the Beach Mint umbrella with Style Mint. And yeah, the, the good days of, of, of that, you know, Style Mint with Ashley Mary Kate. And Era was actually one of the partners there. So I met her and uh, probably very much like this, Rachel, I think, you know, we, you know, Era and I just really connected and we felt like we were from the same cloth and she said she might hire me one day. And I was like, there's no way you're this badass, amazing woman in LA running this company. And she ended up calling me not too long after and saying, I'm launching a mobile shopping app. Um, you know, at the time it was called Jello Labs. It later was spring and, um, you know, met with her and a few other co-founders. I think there were like four people on the team at the time, all engineers outside of myself and, um, an amazing brand curator named April Uchitel. And I just loved the, the team and the vision. And, um, that was it. I, I was one of the first employees there and, uh, you know, we had over, when we launched, we had over 300 brands on the platform and, it was eight months of pre-launch. So that was like kind of my first introduction into like, how do you launch a brand? Like, how do you tell the story and the message? Like, what is a full go-to-market strategy look like from the press architecture? You know, we were really lucky to work with Jesse Darris and his team from Darris. I mean, and they were, I think they have like 200 employees now at the time they were, you know, Jesse was in every meeting and it was really special to be able to understand how they were messaging a brand in the world from a more PR perspective. And then, you know, um, making merch, we made these like cool sweatshirts that said spring 14, which was 2014 when we launched and, um, you know, getting 
our community and influencers and people to post it. And it was just such a fun time. And then, you know, it was there for a little over two years and to work with so many brands, both, you know, the CFDA type brands, all the way to direct to consumer businesses, um, to, you know, share their vision and creative expression with the world and um, really fortunate to work with a lot of engineers. I mean, a lot of the people on that team are now at Instagram working on shop and Shopify. And it was a really, really um, incredible team in terms of how they were thinking about consumer behavior and UI and UX and product development. So, you know, Era really empowered me um, because she was the co-founder and CMO. So she was a little busy and I was really empowered to sit with these engineering teams and like dive into these insights and understand how maybe e-commerce and product was developed. And, you know, this was the time of like Magento and demand where Shopify was just a baby. And um, yeah, I've, I've since been very fortunate to work with a number of the brands as clients that were on spring and um, launch a few other businesses as well. Um, I, after leaving spring, I was introduced to Tamar Mellon um, who we know and love as the as the co-founder of Jimmy Choo and you know casually built a shoe empire in the, in the 90s and 2000s and to be able to sit with her you know we did it was about 7 months in pre-launch together going through mood boards references you know so much of her visual literacy is like 1970s helmet newton kind of like sexy cool woman you know standing by the pool in heels and figuring out how to translate that really like rich you know, visual universe around luxury into a digital native brand um, was such a cool challenge. And, um, you know, we put together a little bit of an Avengers team. And I think that, I mean, the business is almost four years, three or four years old, or maybe even four, I think. And it's so cool to stay so close to her and the team and see how much they've grown and open locations. And, um, and then after that, I was lucky to be uh, introduced to the the co-founders at Away when they first started shipping suitcases. They were like a couple months in. So I, I joined after launch, um, which was really interesting because the, the brand was super baked. And um, not to get too ahead of myself, but our creative director there is now my creative director for Crown Affairs. So it's been really special to kind of create um, a, yeah, a universe with him visually. Um, yeah. And was was head of partnerships there. We did nine partnerships during my time at the business. Um, and they've continued to do a lot more, um, from Madewell to MBA to Carly Kloss. And, you know, it's cool. I mean, it's been so nice to continue building those relationships and we have some stuff coming up with crown affair with a few partners from that lifetime as well. And, um, yeah. And then with levitate just to kind of (laughs) take us to present day, um, after, you know, leaving away, um, I was really looking to create something for myself that spoke to those two pillars that I had mentioned, which is creating a schedule that really suited me. Um, In particular, not to go on a tangent, but I'm definitely a night owl and that's when my creativity sparks. So I've always been a little um, angry at the world for being structured around early mornings and being in an office because I really do thrive at night. So creating my own schedule and then really choosing who I who I worked with and on what projects. And that's, that's, those were always the two kind of like baselines of levitate as I kind of took on clients and built out that, that piece of, of my practice. And, um, my first client at the time, uh, was outdoor voices. Um, this is when, you know, Mickey Drexler had first joined the team and they were really starting to ramp up. Um, and I worked with them on 
you know, affiliate ambassador influencer strategy and really grew that part of the business. Um, and it was, it was so much fun and it it started as a three month project and it turned into a two year client and was a great, um, got to work with Harry's on launching their women's line Flamingo. Um, crazy that it launched in 2018. It feels like yesterday, but also a long time ago. Um, and yeah, thinking about, you know, both that brand direct, but also how it lives in target was a really cool challenge. Um, and yeah, worked with, I mean, as I mentioned, a couple of brands that were on spring, like Buck Mason, which is a menswear brand in LA that has really grown in such a thoughtful way. Um, and they're, you know, the founders are, they're, they're mentors to me and also dear friends. And I love how they've always approached building their community and their product. And they very much have always been slow and steady versus the growth at all cost mindset, which I think has been um, in the forefront of a lot of consumer brands from the last five, 10 years. Um, and yeah, while I was, you know, working on Levitate, I was traveling a lot. Um, I got to work with so many different people and different clients of brands that I love. And, uh, I, a couple of things, I was sharing my routines with a few of the girls who I worked with at Outdoor Voices and a couple of friends, people were just asking me hair care questions. Um, about what shampoo conditioner should I use? How often, like my hair's, you know, really dry right now, or I just had a baby and my hair's falling out. And I kind of became this person. I just, I'm really, really passionate about hair care. And, um, it was a combination of, of that and those conversations, um, mixed with, you know, sharing my routines and rituals and just travel and traveling so much too. I think I had a little bit of an aha moment because I was going to Austin quite a bit for outdoor voices. And, um, you know, I would never show up at the hotel, like expecting them to have my skincare. And I was doing that with hair care and I would just kind of use whatever was in the shower and then like an abrasive towel. And I might've forgotten, you know, the comb that I love. And that was the moment where I was like, it's so crazy. Like there needs to be a space and place where people feel really connected around caring for their hair and these rituals versus it being like so rooted in style cut and color and just being like a point of expression, but also really like hair as, as care and as wellness. So, um, it was during my levitate days that I started to really develop and work on crown affair. Um, but yeah, storytelling has always been at the root of all of the brands I've been really fortunate to either launch or work on over the last few years. Yeah. And it's just so crazy hearing everything you've done in succession. It's amazing, but what's really interesting is your kind of inherent connection to this idea of being slow and thoughtful while having worked in a space that is built on such a fast and in in many ways as we're seeing unsustainable pace. And now as we kind of move through this really intense time of cultural transformation, um, you know, we're all kind of reassessing why it's critical to slow down in all facets of our lives, content and digital lives included. And so with Slow Stories in its most current phase, I'm really building on that mission of slowing down and exploring all of this through the lens of content and storytelling. And so with all of this said, I'm wondering what this idea of slow content means to you and what you're building with Crown Affair. Yeah, I love this question. It's so, first of all, it's incredible the work that you're doing. And I think it's so important to have these conversations and really be mindful about what we put into the world and not only what we put into the world, but how we put it into the world. Um, while I'm very grateful for these experiences, I think that even before, you know, COVID-19 and 
everything happening right now with Black Lives Matter, which is, these are both, I think, really incredible moments for us to actually be energized and create change. But, you know, even before these two things as a catalyst for that, we were starting to see some of these structures about, you know, growth at all costs, just go, you know, higher fat, like just, it was, it was starting to fall apart. Um, and we, we've seen this with a number of, of brands and both consumer, um, you know, just across the board, it was starting to kind of crumble. And I think people recognize that like the brands that we love in reference, whether it's Patagonia or Nike, like they take time. Like it really takes time to like, not only build out the storytelling and the narrative, but like build a really authentic team culture. Um, and as you were speaking, what I was going to say is the best, one of the best pieces of advice I ever have received is from my dear friend, John, who has worked at HBO for almost 15 years. He's a senior creative producer there. We met almost 10 years ago. He was one of the first people I met in New York at a concert, um, which is a whole other story. And when I first started dating my now fiance, we've been together for almost seven years, I was telling John about him. And I was like, John, I've never, like, I really like this guy. <laughs> like, what do I do? And he said to me, no one ever got mad at a slow simmer. And oh. I know it's good. And it's like, you know what? Everything from food to storytelling to relationships is so much better when it's just low and slow, like building that consistency of just doing something right and heating up to the right point over time. Um, and I think when you heat up too quickly or rise really quick and you can fall really quickly too, you know, you haven't had time to build the foundation of what you need to actually stand on two feet and be like, well, actually like, you know, we have this here, like check, you know, whether that's checking the receipts or atoning for things right now, I think it really, um, you need time to tell these stories. And I think for crown affair, we are still really young. We're four months old, but I see it in our community that like we, I mean, we have community members, some who are really incredible customers, some who have never bought anything and it doesn't matter. We are building something together that is about like mindfulness and care and really rooted in ritual. Um, and we have a program that we launched shortly after COVID kind of all first started to, to compound and, um, which is our mentorship program seedling, which, um, you know, started as a response to a lot of college seniors graduating now who, you know, can't file for unemployment. You know, there's not as many job opportunities for them. We just saw a really big influx of people asking about career advice, job opportunities. And I'm so grateful to have a network of either founders or senior leadership um, and women who were also looking for ways to give back. And, you know, we just did this six week program. We closed it out on Wednesday, um, which has been a mentorship program. And I think that in a bizarre way has just totally slowed me down to what we're doing at crown affair to not be reactive and, you know, really keep our blinders on. I think we, we want to build connection and relationships with people that change the way they move through the world. And that takes time. You know, this isn't a quick fix, a hypey thing. It's like, we are planting the seeds now for a much longer life as a brand, but also as people. Um, and it's cool to see our audience and customers like engage with our team, engage with me. I mean, everyone knows I'm like on DM or phone calls with our community all the time because that's the most important thing. Um, and it's their stories that we tell. You know, I think what's so unique is like 
I'm not a hair care professional, right? I'm not a celebrity stylist. I haven't been doing like, I wasn't doing like Madonna's Vogue covers in Paris in like the nineties, which there's so many amazing hairstylists out there who have launched product and, you know, share their cutting and styling and stories of expression. But for me, it's actually been about hair as a part of our identity. And I'm just one woman with my own story and my own ritual around hair care. And it's really the balance of community and storytelling and slowing down to just be like, why is it that we do what we do and how do we do it? And um, in a weird way, COVID, I think, particularly with hair care, as we're not able to go to our salons or get a quick fix with our colorist, has been a force to have us reflect and say, okay, wait, what is my natural hair texture? Should I be doing this this much? Like, maybe I should like upgrade my brush and make it brushing a nightly routine to like move the oils through my hair. And I think, um, you know, the storytelling is really reflected in our community and how they connect and engage with the product as well. Yeah. And I mean, it's crazy. I keep forgetting that you guys are barely, not even six months old. So it's been incredible to see how all of this has translated in such a beautiful way so far. And I've always personally loved that crown affair is really reshaping the narrative around hair care to focus on emphasis self-care. And, you know, I think generally the beauty industry has seen a massive shift in the role that beauty can play in shaping the modern woman or man's life. But, you know, as we continue to kind of navigate these changes and these conversations around racial injustice, economic disparity, global health crises, how do you plan to take the brand's narrative to the next level? Yeah, I love that question. And I think, I mean, I we're all experiencing in real time so many changes, um, which have been long, long overdue. Um, and as I said, I think it's really energizing for our team um, to to find and, and tell stories in a different way. Um, you know, it's again being four months old we're so lucky that we get to bake this into our dna and our foundation and you know create internal initiatives to make sure that not just women of color but specifically black women are telling their stories i mean hair and the crown i mean some we have two customers <laughs> they're secretly two of my favorite customers um one of them is is named Latoya. She's incredible. And we talk about, you know, your crown and how it is this source of pride and changes the way that you move through the world. And, you know, that has nothing to do with our product necessarily. And I think what's so powerful and exciting about brands today, and particularly in beauty, to your point, in an industry that for so long has been selling perfection. Um, and you know, the perfect blowout hashtag good hair day, hashtag hair goals. And like, that was when I first started doing the the branding for crown affair, I was like, you will never ever see hashtag hair goals in any copy. Like there's no, we can't use the term good hair day. I can't tell you how many times I've like popped into a retailer to like look at the hair care section because I'm totally a nerd who does that. And I'm just like, the copy and imagery looks like it's from 20, 2008. You know, it's just, it's crazy how little innovation and democratization has been done in this category that I think there has been a lot more democratization around skincare and color cosmetics as we look at beauty as a whole. Um, but, you know, the first step is like removing some of this language, like, the word tame, you know, is used all the time, like tame your frizz, tame this. And I'm like, no, like embrace it, you know, like celebrate this. Like this is a moment to connect with yourself. So I think that 
that's a huge piece of the storytelling is kind of re-educating and, you know, opening up this conversation to the customer and our audience, like to think about your hair a little differently. Um, you know, and there's brands who have done this really well in other categories, you know, era being one with seed and the microbiome. It's like, I don't think anyone was having conversations about the microbiome in this way and understanding how cool it is. You know, I mean, hair is a fiber is like a fascinating universe, you know, regardless of your hair type and texture. It's like, I always joke with the team. I'm like, I feel like hair is like the the little speck of dust in Horton. Here's a who. Um, and it's like you zoom in and it's like, you know, you have 150,000 hair follicles on your head or hundred thousand, depending on how much hair you have. And, you know, actually then are mostly located on the back of their head, which is why they experience hair loss more, more actively than women do because it's more evenly dispersed. And, you know, each hair is, is growing asynchronously. You know, we think about getting our hair cut at the same time, but it's like, they all kind of have their own little universe. And, you know, and this goes back to the plant analogy, but like, you know, give yourself scalp massages, talk to your hair. It's like when you talk to and water your plants, they like, I think scientifically it's proven that they grow better and are, and are better plants. And the same is for your hair. So, you know, we as a company are on a very long journey of telling those stories. And I think how we show up um, politically, you know, we're in an election year, like our team yesterday had a strategy session where like, this is important to us. How do we all align? You know, what are our values? And and I think that's what the audience resonates with, right? It's like the days of people being in a boardroom and coming up with ideas for what you think like your customer would like. It's like, okay, how do I think it's so much more valuable to be like, how do we actually feel? And how do we tell those stories in a way that's authentic to us? Um, and yeah, just continuing to to grow and build together. And there's no going back to normal, you know, and there's no, I see brands posting like, this is still important, but we're going to resume our normal posting. And I think that's such a silly, sometimes a silly way to go about it. Like, of course, like everyone's a a dynamic, you know, multidimensional person. Like I want you to share a really cool illustration that you found from an artist. And I also want you to share, you know, resources that, or a story um, that really moved you from black lives matter. And also like a beautiful, you know, flower that you saw. I think it's like, this is the only way we move forward is by actually like authentically and organically integrating these stories into the stories we're already telling. I think, you know, going to extremes on either end by like only talking about, um, you know, and we're, we're a beauty brand. So it's specific. I think depending on the category you're in, you know, you might approach this differently, but for us, it's just, it's a part of our DNA and, um, the seedling program too has been amazing. I mean, we're, we're mentoring. I'm talking to a number of black owned female beauty brands now that we were initially celebrating a few weeks ago. And they've, op- I mean, these conversations have changed my life. So I think it's important that we're like growing and telling stories together. Absolutely. And I think too, during this period of introspection and to tell good stories, I've always believed that it needs to lead with a good question or an important question that we might not normally consider or have the time to consider or make headspace for. And so as you kind of go through all of these things, is there a particular question that you hope people start asking you more often? Hmm. I love this question. This is a good question about questions. Um, you know, the the there was one question that my coach who I mentioned earlier asked me that has low-key changed my life, which was what do you need to do right now in this moment to feel good? 
And my answer to her, this was a few years ago. My answer to her was, I need to stretch, <laughs> which, I, <laughs> which I know sounds really silly. But to this day, I stretch every single morning for 30 minutes. And it is something that really helps me move my energy around. Um, and I think everyone has their own answer to this. Um, and you know, that could be, I think we all just need to figure out ways to move energy around for some people that's creating a work of art or music for some people that's doing 10 pushups for some people that's just going for a walk or, you know, doing a headstand or something that just kind of allows them to break. And, and honestly, I joke, but like kind of separate your, your mind from your body. Like it's just, I think one of the most efficient ways to slow down is immediately do something that just makes you feel good. And like so much of that, and a question we ask, you know, all of our community and ambassadors and partners even is like, what is it that makes you feel whole? You know, even if we're doing a partnership activation with someone, it's like, how do we create something that actually speaks to to ritual and something that makes you feel good? Um, and it's hard to slow down and it's hard to just pause and reflect and I think one of the things that I've had to remind myself is like the rest and the reflection um, or whether it's moving energy is, is equally as important as the action and the doing. So um, that's, that's a fun question because the answer might be different too in different moments. So um, sometimes we're kind of not listening to our bodies physically or emotionally or mentally. And I think asking the question of what do you need to do right now to feel good um, is powerful. And if the answer is nothing, like how beautiful is that, you know, to just be like at peace and realize that, you know, sometimes less is more. And like, you know, this, this moment in time, I think has made a lot of us wake up myself included to just wanting less, you know, and, and just fewer, better. And, you know, the, the bit of a treadmill that we've been on. And I, I know that I'm speaking to also like the, the world that I've been in, I recognize that not everybody's working at startups and in New York, but, um, it was a, it was a moment, you know, if someone says jump, I said, how high? And now I'm like, should I be jumping in the first place? So that's, that's been really nice to slow down. I think that's a really important observation and also a really nice segue into one of my last questions for you that I always think is a nice way to bring these conversations full circle because to your point about wanting less but better a big part of that is really how we choose to move in the world both online and offline and you know what we choose to consume and create and to that point I'm wondering why do you think slowing down our relationship to content will ultimately help us live work and feel better there's a lot happening right now. You know, the world has changed so much on digital. I mean, I, I love Instagram. I think it's for me, my primary channel. I know people live on TikTok or Snapchat, but I am on Instagram for the majority of the time. Um, and I get a lot of my content there and whether that's news or, you know, a publication, you know, writing a cool story or friends or influencers and celebrities. I just, I don't know if, if us as human beings, like we were really made to kind of process all of this. And like, this is why our team jokes often how like important sleep is just so your brain can kind of like register everything that's happened in the day. And, um, I think that this has been a moment to kind of evaluate and really understand that who you choose to follow or engage with 
is more powerful than it ever was. You know, I think we're in a world where it's like, oh, we just met, I follow you. Or like, maybe you've been following a brand that you loved five years ago that maybe doesn't necessarily represent who you are as a person. You know, you've evolved and changed so much. Or, I mean, there's definitely like content creators that I loved five years ago where I'm like, this isn't, this isn't really serving me in the same way. And, you know, also too, we have to be mindful that these, you know, content creators, storytellers, influencers, publications, are really serving the algorithm, you know, and it's like, it lets you have such a strong moral compass um, and have constantly made decisions as a storyteller to just do what you actually want to share. Like we, we can't assume that all content is, is intended well, you know, and that it's good content and that it's adding value. So, um, you know, this is, this is a moment and call to action and something I did a few weeks ago, which was really edit my, my curation of who I'm following and what I'm engaging with. It, it took some time. Um, as, as Benjamin Franklin says, if you're failing to plan, you're planning to fail. So I think it's really important to create, put time on your calendar and maybe just start with your email and be like, what are the ones that actually make me feel joy? What newsletters do I love opening? What adds value to my life? And it's hard by the way, cause I can list a dozen newsletters off of the top of my head that I love reading. Um, and sometimes it can feel a little overwhelming being like, oh, wow, I have to, you know, read all of this stuff. But I think pacing it out is really important. And, you know, same with who you follow on Instagram. I think that with Black Lives Matter, I mean, I followed so many more Black creators than I initially would have. There's been such incredible discovery and to hear new voices, I think, has been really powerful. Um, but if we don't take this time to not only reevaluate, but like slow down how we're processing this, I think I, I don't think it improves our work and I don't think it allows us for a better life. And, you know, now is this time to kind of find more balance. Um, I, truthfully, I find the days that I'm less on Instagram, I'm way more creative and productive, but I love it. You know, I love seeing stories and I love connecting with people. And I think another exciting thing about this time, and it's something that, you know, we as a brand are figuring out too, is like, what's a meaningful way to show up that isn't reactive? You know, when the pandemic first hit, I felt like everyone and their mother was doing an Instagram live. And by the way, we're so guilty of this too. It was kind of like a reactive moment. Um, and what's so beautiful about the podcasting universe is the ability to hear a story in depth and get these anecdotes and hear a conversation. So I'm really curious um, over the next five to 10 years to see which platforms and spaces um, really hold value. Um, and I, I can't say if, if Instagram will be there and that's not to say it's not an, a great tool for a lot of things, but, um, the saturation level, um, and the changes happening now, I think are an indicator that every single category, I mean, I'm seeing it in beauty in particular is like, there are new spaces opening up just to have those conversations that move you. Um, and hopefully that empowers us to, to move through the world in, in truthfully a healthier way. That was Diana Cohen, founder and CEO of Crown Affair. To refresh your hair care rituals, visit Crown Affair online at crownaffair.com and follow them on social media at Crown Affair. You can also follow Diana at Diana Cohen. I'm Rachel Schwartzman, and this has been another episode of Slow Stories. Thank you so much for joining us.